Hey, welcome in NFL Live. We have action all around the NFL today. We'll take you out to all the OTAs and hear from some of the best in the business. Mike McCarthy on the Cowboys' new look offense, Sean Payton, Josh McDaniels, and Dan Campbell is coming to the mics. So you never know what's going to happen there. Welcome to NFL Live. I am Field Yates. You see our crew here left to right. Mina Kimes, Keyshawn Johnson, <laughs> Jeff Jonathan here for the entire hour. We're going to go all the way out to Las Vegas to get things started where there was some significant news this morning as Jimmy Garoppolo, the Raiders quarterback, is not participating because of a foot surgery that he had in March. Head coach Josh McDaniels explained why his quarterback won't be practicing and doesn't know when he's going to be back you won't see him today. There's a number of guys that you're not going to see. Uh, again, I'm not going to, you'll see him. I mean, I'm not going to run down a list every time here, but he's going through his process just like we knew he would. I'm really honestly not going to talk about the specifics of those things. Again, those are private to those guys uh, individually. Um, but, uh, you know, everything that's happened since we've signed Jimmy, uh, we, we knew ahead of time. It's the same thing with Tyree. I would say it's the same thing with you know, a number of guys um, that we're aware of. So certainly had an awareness of all of it. Um, and again, our, our preference is to not to push and rush anybody back at this point in time. Could we? I mean, you could make that decision. It's just, you know, I think the most important time of the year is going to happen when we get to training camp so that we're, we're ready to go. We can do the work we need to do in August. All right, Mina, I had absolutely no idea that there was a foot injury that Jimmy G was still dealing with. Obviously, he was dealing with one last year. But how concerning should this be for the Raiders if Jimmy can't get acclimated to this offense during the offseason? Yeah, it's concerning, Field, for a number of reasons, one of which is what you just said, Jimmy becoming acclimated to the offense. Obviously, there's familiarity between him and the head coach, play caller Josh McDaniels, from their time in New England. But... That was some time ago, and this offense is very different from the one that Garoppolo's been running in San Francisco the last two years. It's also concerning because we are, of course, talking about a player with significant injury history. This, I would argue, is the number one reason why he is no longer a San Francisco 49er, why he was available for Las Vegas. So for to him to have you know, another serious injury, even if it's one that they expect him to recover from this summer, it's still concerning. And then finally, I would add depth. And this is something I would put on the Raiders organization if they knew about the injury. Last year, Jarrett Stidham came off of the bench and played really well. He's no longer on this team. Jimmy Garoppolo's backup is Brian Hoyer. I have to ask why they didn't seek a better situation knowing that he had an injury coming into the summer before they signed him because uh, I don't think Raiders fans want to see Brian Hoyer taking snaps. Yeah, I had to close my eyes right there, Mina, and just hear the voice of Josh McDaniels. It reminded me so much of Bill Belichick. But I guess if you're around Bill Belichick for an extended period of time, you're probably going to pick up that cadence a little bit. In terms of Jimmy Garoppolo, though, look, they, they knew what the injury was the entire time. They're not going to disclose that information to the public. It's not significant to the point that he's going to miss significant time. He'll be the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. Yes, it has some change that has happened since his time in Josh McDaniel's system in New England, but it's like riding a bicycle. You know where you're supposed to go with the ball. You know the progressions, and they're going to change some things from time to time but they're going to do things that he's comfortable with, that he is successful at doing, or at least the things he was successful at doing in New England. They're going to implement that back into the game plan. I wouldn't worry about it at all. It's too early to set into a panic. This isn't a broken ankle, broken foot, or anything like that. I think he'll be fine come time when he's ready to go.
I, you know, Key, I'm, I want to be with you there, and I want to give Josh McDaniel the benefit of the doubt when we talk about this foot injury, but at the same time, they didn't know everything when they signed him. There was a reason why they delayed his press conference, because they learned during the physical that this injury was going to require surgery, that it wasn't exactly what uh, they initially expected coming out of San Francisco. So, look, yes, as Josh McDaniels said, there's 100 days between now and the start of the season. There's plenty of time for this to get right. I am curious, though, without knowing much until today when this news was suddenly sprung on us, whether or not this is more serious than we need to, uh, to assume. So we'll see. Look, I think it's fine. You're right. We're at the time of year where we can continue to just rehabilitate. But to me, for a guy, as Mina said, uh, we're talking about who's dealt with injuries, the reason why he probably uh, lasted this long on the open market. So I guess I can just say we'll see. Okay, We will see. And by the way, if you thought it stopped there for the Raiders, don't forget just a couple of weeks ago when Devontae Adams spoke to the ringer and had this to say. This is about the front office. Quote, they think this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. It's not what I expected to happen, but it's something that's the reality now. And quote, here's Josh McDaniels on those comments earlier today. Devontae and I have talked. I mean, we, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't really, it's not really my concern that anybody necessarily adopts, you know, uh, every vision that Dave or I have for, you know, the, the decisions that we have to make. Sometimes those are difficult. Um, the thing I'd say about a player like Devontae, and we have many other players in the same category, is they have an opinion and a voice because they've earned it. And I respect the hell out of anything that they would say or suggest or anything like that during the course of the process of trying to improve our team. Those things happen, I'd say, all the time, you know, where somebody may have a, a question or a comment or a discussion is had, and those are the right things to do, and those players have earned it. I'm a Raider, and I'm excited to, to be here. I love I love my my head coach, and I love the the general manager here, and everybody. I mean, from the from the top to the bottom. So, um, I have no reason to lie. I mean, one thing I don't do is BS, so I'm not gonna make anything up when it comes to that. I'd rather keep my mouth closed if if I have negative things to say. But when I say that these are some some good men in this in this place that I I really value the relationship that I have with them, I mean that. All right, so a little bit different tone there from Devontae in that second quote, but it's only – it would be great, like, if we could find, a, like, a formerly outspoken wide receiver who was maybe <laughs> for bringing some color to this situation. Mm. Keith, what do you think of all this from Devontae Adams? Because obviously, uh, you know, even if his tone today was different, that quote to the ringer a couple weeks ago was fairly notable to me. Well, I'm the only guy on the show – in general, that speak receiver talk, right? <laughs> I speak receiver. Yeah. And, and, right. and what Devontae is saying right there is he, he appreciates the fact that he's a Raider, but what was told to him prior to becoming a Raider that he was going to be there with his quarterback in Derek Carr. Well, yeah. that didn't happen. In comes Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's a different situation for him all the way around. He trusts the process because he's there. He's getting paid to do his job, but he's not happy at the same time, when you're being told something and then it changes right before your eyes, you're going to be disappointed in that moment in time. Now, there's a different tone, like you mentioned, uh, Phil, about now what he's saying, because they had a conversation and they said, hey, do us a favor. Just keep it in-house. We, we don't want to be answering questions from reporters about the things that you've said. 
Now, he went out there and he balled with Carr. Is he going to do the same things with Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably not, because Jimmy, to me, isn't the same type of quarterback that Carr is with, with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, Key, you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't think you need to be a former wide receiver to know that Devontae Adams would not be a Las Vegas Raider if Derek Carr wasn't the quarterback when the trade happened. They're friends yes. from college. Uh, it was his primary reason for choosing Vegas. And as you alluded to, I think his departure is disappointing, not only from a personal sense, but also from a football one. I, Jimmy Garoppolo can definitely be a productive quarterback in Josh McDaniels' offense, but he does not push the ball downfield. Uh, that has been the case his entire career. He's very deliberate about when he attempts deep passes. And what that means is Devontae Adams is not going to have as many of those beautiful back shoulder fades <laughs> that we associate with him over the course of his career. So I don't blame him for expressing some frustration. But I do think it's important to note that it's clearly about the situation, the departure of Carr. It doesn't sound mm -hmm. like there's any sort of discrepancy between him and the head coach. You know, one, one okay, thing, let me Mina, jump yeah, back yeah, in here real I, quick. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead I was going to say, to follow up what you're saying, Mina, one thing that receivers do, when we get introduced to a playbook, the first thing we do is we look, and we start looking to see what plays <laughs> you got in there. And Devontae Adams went to that playbook. He started looking. He was like, oh, no, we're running sticks and dink and dunks. That's what he did. I'm telling you what he did. <laughs> That's like when I used to go into the yearbook and look in the index for my name just so I could flip back to see whatever oh, pictures I was in. Look. Seminole High School. I don't speak wide receiver, but I do speak sports reporter and cynical sports reporter at that. So my only concern here is that we're not going down the same road that Josh McDaniels went down when he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I think that Devontae Adams did a really good job of clearing this up today. That was a very good sign because when I saw those original quotes from him, I thought it was pretty disconcerting. All right. So even, by the way, even if Devontae Adams is content and all is good, one thing we do know, two of the Raiders' biggest additions this offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo and Tyree Wilson, their first pick, seventh overall, both coming back from significant foot issues. Something to keep an eye on as we get closer to training camp. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys, of course, also in OTAs today as they look to transform their team into more of a ground and pound offense with a great defense behind it. Mike McCarthy, their head coach, who loves to run the football, spoke a short time ago. Well, we're still in Dak's language. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're definitely built off of, you know, um, if you just look at the history of our offense here, you know, 2020 was 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 really a you know trying to really figure out who we wanted to be um, you know if you you know in that year with the pandemic and all the injuries and so forth so but I, I really I think the evolution of 21 and 22 um, is is where the, the evolution from 21 to 22 is is really the direction we want to continue to build off of so I mean if you look at the you know statistics of those three years of offense and in in the areas of how we've uh, the direction we're going, we'll, we'll continue on that direction. All right, let's look at those three years he's talking about, by the way. Dallas ran the ball at the sixth highest percentage in the league last year. Even that might not, might not have been enough for McCarthy's taste. After parting ways with former OC Kellen Moore this offseason, McCarthy said this about his future plans. I want to run the damn ball. Okay. You know, let's talk about this Cowboys team because as much as the offense generates attention, I think there are sort of two questions. Should they be running the football more? And is it the defense that will actually determine this team's fate? 
Uh, as far as whether they run the football more, as you saw there, they already ran it at a pretty high clip last year. So to turn that dial up even more makes no sense to me, especially when this has been one of the most mm -hmm. efficient passing attacks in the NFL the last couple of years. You trade for Brandon Cooks. Your best personnel grouping is out of 11 with the three wide receivers on the field. Throw the damn ball. You have a quarterback who's extremely accurate and good before the snap at diagnosing defenses to lean heavily on unsuccessful runs, see how Tony Pollard looks coming back from injury, I think would be a poor decision on McCarthy's part, but I'm gonna wait to see it before I cast judgment on what the offense looks like. As far as your second question, Field, this is one of the best defenses in football last year, and I see no difference why it won't be the same. They're returning their superstars, both up front and in the secondary. Equally importantly, they're returning their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, which is a huge coup. He's been fantastic. And I think they addressed their two biggest areas of need. Run defense, they draft Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, and depth at cornerback. They trade for Stephon Gilmore. So the offense doesn't have to start out hot because this defense, I believe, is one of the three best in the league. So, look, when you talk about they're running the ball at, at, in their six in the league at a 45% clip, that's fine. That's running the football. That's high. But it's when mm. you run the football. Mm. That, that I think, is what got under Mike McCarthy's point, skin is the when are you running it? Are you running it when, it, when you need to? Are you throwing when you need to? Or are you just up there dialing things up because you want to be uh, in line to become the next head coach of a team in Kelly Moore? So what Mike McCarthy did is he sat back and he observed everything, and they did their offseason, so to speak, self-check and looked at things and said, look, we're running when we're supposed to be throwing. We're throwing when we're supposed to be running. And I think that is why he decided he wants to call the plays to do it the right way in which in, in the right way that he sees it. That's kind of how I look at it. If that is what Mike McCarthy took away from watching Kellen Moore's offense last year, then they are going to regress this season mm. because I did not think this was a team that was uh, unnecessarily passing on early downs or in late, later downs, rather, when they should be running in short yardage. I thought the run-pass balance was tilted more towards running the football than, frankly, it needed to be. So if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm looking at this roster, and I think it looks great. Both sides but, but of the I, football, when, deep, when, love what they did in the offseason. When, when I say that, though, Mina, I'm talking about it's second and nine, and you decide in a, on a certain defense that you're going to run the football. And that defense is for you to throw the football. That's what I mean when I say those sort yeah, of things. I understand. The, okay, so when coaches are evaluating yeah. and breaking down the film, they're looking for specific things that they put in the game plan. Yeah. And when you get away from that, it drives them crazy. That's all I'm saying. No, I hear you. I'm just saying if that's what his takeaway was from watching Kellen Moore's offense and how they approach different defensive looks, light boxes, down and distance – that he would be wrong because that was not the problem with this offense last year, which didn't have any problems, by the way. Jeff, final word. Oh, man, my turn? You yeah. guys, you guys, you guys. <laughs> I like to listen to this. It's a good show. Uh, look, I just, I think you're both still uh, alluding to the same thing. It's finding the way to reduce the interceptions, and that doesn't necessarily mean passing less. That doesn't necessarily mean running more. Uh, it just yeah. means finding a way 
to throw less interceptions. That, to me, is the number one goal of Mike McCarthy. How he gets from You're, point A to point B is the biggest mystery facing the Cowboys. We'll put a pin in this one for right yes. now. But certainly, we could probably do an entire show on this Cowboys offense. And still to come on NFL Live, we'll dive in. No, we won't dive into more of that, I promise. We have a ton of coaches and players <laughs> around the league that have taken the podium already today. So we're going to whip around the NFL. We have so much more coming your way here on NFL Live, including the Lions, who have been one of the league's most anticipated teams and stories to watch for. Stay tuned to hear what head coach Dan Campbell has to say about their mentality coming into the season. Knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to buy the kneecap off, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hello. I know I'm a little muffled, but I figured I would uh, start with this. Normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go to, you know, Starbucks with two shots in them. So black eye and both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. My jobs, I worked at a chicken shack when I was 16 years old. I learned how to clean chicken, and I could do it blind over and over. That was awesome. When you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. I love Dan Campbell. He is the best far sound bite go. Hey, let's take a look at the Aaron Rodgers-sized hole in the NFC North. ESPN Analytics has the Lions as the most likely team to win the division, something they haven't done since 1993. That was Barry Sanders' fifth season as a pro, but it is close as all four teams have at least a 12% chance at the division title. The aforementioned and the man you just heard from, Dan Campbell, talked about the versatility of his new-look roster. Shoot, man, offensively, you got different packages. You add a tight end, now we can we can live in 13 personnel more. Uh, you know, you got you got Gibbs, he comes along, Montgomery, you can run some more two-back with two H's in the game, you know. Uh, the receiver thing, you get J-Mo back, you know, we, we've we got Marvin, now maybe we go some 10 personnel. And so you just maximize your personnel, your roster. I mean, defensively, you know, having Sutton, we get Mosley healthy, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um I mean, we, we got a lot more versatility, uh, and that does come with the depth. All right, so, Mina, many were surprised when the Lions took a running back 12th overall, specifically Jameer Gibbs to 199 pounds out of Alabama. But how does he potentially change this offense? 
Well, based on what Dan Campbell's saying, which I loved, by the way, um, it gives them the sort of versatility and flexibility that you see in a lot of the best offenses around the NFL right now. Uh, of the offenses that use the most 21 personnel, meaning the two running backs on the field, um, three were top offenses in the league. Baltimore, San Francisco, Miami. Now they all use their backs in very different ways, but with the same goal, which is to use that formational flexibility to confuse defenses. Runs look like passes. Passes look like runs. You never know who's blocking. And for a back like Gibbs, who you can flex out wide, you can have him out running out routes out of the backfield, uh, it creates a lot of matchup nightmares because if he's in space against a linebacker, Yawan, his greatest asset at Alabama was his explosiveness with the ball in his hands. And the way that they're talking, and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, I have to imagine, is just over the moon thinking of ways to use him, makes me excited to see how he's deployed in this offense. All right, I can't wait to see Jameer Gibbs. But before we move on with the Lions, we got to go back to this. Did I see Dan Campbell wearing a shirt of GM <laughs> Brad Holmes? He did. Wearing a shirt of Dan Campbell? Can we get it's an ISO Look at this. <laughs> okay, so take a look back at this press conference on April 29th. This was Brad Holmes, their GM. And check out the shirt that he is wearing. Look at this shirt. Oh, man. That's How long can this shirt? How much further does this, does this keep going? Gotta keep this going. This reminds yeah. me of what I have when my daughter looks in like multiple mirrors at a kid's museum and she can't figure out why she keeps going and going and going and going and going. Make this happen in perpetuity. I love it. All right, Lions, plenty of talk. Can't wait to see them this upcoming season. Sean Payton over in Denver is in his first season with the Broncos. Of course, his first OTAs. He's allowed a lot of ground to make up after Denver went 5-12 and 12 in their first season with Russell Wilson at the helm. The head coach spoke, excuse me, Russell Wilson spoke just a little while ago at OTAs. First of all, I think Sean's um, one of the best coaches to ever coach this game. He's intense. He's focused. Um, He's such a great teacher of the game. And so all of us are learning uh, every day, you know, more information, you know, just uh, learning how to play the game the right way, how to practice at the highest level. And that's what we're focused on right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor to obviously, you know, put on the pads and put on the jersey and, and just uh, get to do what I love to do. All right, Key, one of the big stories this season is whether Russell Wilson can get back on track. Is Sean Payton the man that can get him back on track? Well, I think he is, and if, and if Russell Wilson doesn't take Deshaun's teaching, then he'll be on the track somewhere, going somewhere. That, that's where that's going to go. But I think when you look at Russell Wilson and you look at his success that he had early on in Seattle, it wasn't about letting Russ cook. It wasn't him throwing the ball 40 times a game. Sean is a guy who's methodically looking to move the football down the field, dink and dunk, shallow crosses, stick routes, things of that nature, a real true West Coast style. Every now and then, you take a shot on the seam route. That's what you're going to see out of Russell Wilson. We're not going to see the Russell Wilson from three years ago. We're going to see the Russell Wilson early in his career where they ran the football, yeah. he managed the game, and they played defense. Well, it got overshadowed last year because of how bad the offense was. But that defense was nasty last season. Some changes this uh, offseason to that defense, but for the most part, intact. Can't wait to see them ball out. I'm not so sure on the offense as of yet. Coming up. Patrick Mahomes has the MVPs, Super Bowls, and the money. So what else could he need? Stay tuned to hear what he has to say about choosing rings over cat meat. I've made enough money where I'll be set for the rest of my life. Um, but at the same time, you got to find that line where you're making a good amount of money, but you're still keeping a lot of great players around you.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We'll have an NCAA softball super regional doubleheader for you tomorrow night on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Third seeded Florida State hosts 14th seeded Georgia in the second game of their series at 8 Eastern. Then it's the first game of the Seattle Super Regional. Seventh seeded Washington hosts Louisiana at Husky Softball Stadium. That would be Mina's Washington Huskies, to be very clear. The Packers are in OTAs for the first time with Jordan Love as their starting quarterback. Many have suggested it's going to take some time to get adjusted to that new QB. Running back Aaron Jones thinks differently. We got everything we need here. Uh, if you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team, it's the wrong place, uh, you know, so. We're here to play ball. We, we got everything we need. Like I said, our defense is going to be ready to ball. We're going to be ready to ball. The special team is going to be ready to ball. So uh, we know it's going to take all 11. We're going to have to depend on each other in all phases. But uh, we're just we're, we're hungry. You know, we're, we're ready to prove a lot of people wrong. We know what people are saying. So um, but everybody has an opinion and most of them stink. So Aaron Jones, ESPN Analytics collision course because ESPN analytics projects Green Bay for just 7.4 wins which will place them last in the division not common <laughs> expectations that we are used to for the Packers after 30 years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback so key do you think the Packers can surprise some people and potentially win more than 7.4 games uh, well I mean yeah if that's called a surprise then yes I do I, I, I look at it as you know yes they lose Aaron Rodgers who's a Hall of Famer but they still got pieces that are in place that played last year. They still got a defense that turned it up a little bit last year late in the season. So I understand that the top quarterback that was there that took over for Brett Favre, who's walking into the Hall of Fame, is no longer there. And there's a young man named Jordan Love. And, and, and when you look at Jordan Love, you look at him and go, well, you know, he's never played. He's never done that. But could it be such a thing as addition by subtraction? Yes, it can be. Because you don't need to do all the things you did with Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes you overthink when you have powerful players like Aaron Rodgers. You get out of starting to do things. You're starting to be too fancy. Maybe simple is the better way to go. And maybe that helps them move into the next direction and get past those seven wins that people think they're only going to get. That's just me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe Jeff thinks something different. <laughs> I, you know, I think you're being really nice here, Key, and which is, you know, that's not always like you. So, I, I mean, that's really nice. I don't want to rain on the parade. But, but I, this all reminds me of the time right after Tom Brady left 
New England, and we were all talking about Mac, actually at that point, what was it, Cam Newton, but eventually Mac Jones and how, yeah, he can replace him, no big deal, maybe it's addition by subtraction. It's so hard to replace a legend. It's so much harder than simply yeah. plug and play and expecting the culture to stay the same, expecting the winning to stay the same. I don't look at this roster and think that they are better without Aaron Rodgers. And I also trust Aaron Rodgers' evaluation of the roster because if he believed that this was a Super Bowl caliber roster or, you know, to be fair, even just a playoff caliber roster, I think he'd still be in Green Bay. Hmm. I suspect the truth kind of lies somewhere between playoff Probably. team and rebuild with the Packers. Um, you know, most people, when they think of a rebuild, they think of a team that has very little chance of being competitive. And I don't think that's true of the Green Bay Packers. There's just too much talent mm -hmm. on true. this roster. It's a defense that hasn't played up to that talent level, but I thought played better at the end of last year with tons of first-round draft picks. It's dominant offensive line, very good run game led by Aaron Jones, underrated skill group, and I think one of the more one of the better play callers in the NFL, in Matt LaFleur. If Jordan Love plays in the top half of expectations, they will absolutely be in the mix for the NFC North. But I also don't think that's the main priority for the season. It's a possibility, but the priority is the development of the young quarterback. And that's what makes them different from the Vikings or the Lions, who absolutely have to get back to the playoffs. It would be nice for Green Bay if they did, but... They're taking a longer view with short-term competitiveness being, as Jones alludes to, a very realistic possibility. Now, back to you, Jeff. So here's what I would say. I understand the, the fascination <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers being a great Hall of Famer, and, and they're not going to be better. Of course they would be better with, with Aaron Rodgers, and of course you trust Aaron Rodgers' judgment of the talent. This team didn't go to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. My whole point is when coaches coach, sometimes <laughs> they do out. more. They Sometimes they do a little bit more because they think they have something in a certain player. When they realize that they don't need to do that, things change for the better. This defense is still intact. They yeah. still got Aaron Jones. They got two young receivers that are studs that have are going into their second year, not their first year. And we got in, in, I understand, we don't know a whole lot about Jordan Love, but the throws that I did see him make when he did start, I didn't walk All away going, right, oh, my you God, can he can't now. play in the National Football League. No, Jeff, I or Dan, should it. I call you? I got it. See, what <laughs> happened there, hold on, what happened there was this was a setup. This was Key <laughs> saying his crazy stuff, baiting oh. me into saying something crazier, and then allowing oh Mina God. stepping in to be the rational voice, okay? If I could have gone third, I would have been the rational voice. Mm -hmm. But in this case, and, and, I had to be the one to grab the key, and that baits us third. into saying crazy things. Well, Mina, Mina said they had a great roster, so now you're attacking me when Mina backed me up by saying the roster <laughs> was a good roster. I think we have a two-on-one situation right here. Jeff, you get the final word here. Defend yourself. <laughs> Because you're one on two right now. I have no defense. M Mina's right. It's somewhere in between. It truly is. It, they'll probably be an eight and eight team. Is that what Key thinks is a great squad? What a cold. I'm, I'm a cold glad take, he changed Jack. his tune. They're not even so eight glad. Eight or 17 cold games team? now. Come on. 7.4 is a projection. They'll be between like eight and nine. Come on. That, that just feels way too rational. This show, what has happened to us? Just speaking logically, coherently.
kind of football analysis is that? Still to come over the past week, we've heard from plenty of players and coaches around the league. More of that coming around the corner. Look, I'll be honest, the only jersey I, I kind of knew about besides Teterboro was Jersey Shore. I'm not going to put it on for the cameras because I know you guys, that that picture will go viral. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Couldn't rest last year because every game I think I was making like 200000 just to dress out. So you would dress out too, right? <laughs> Grew up uh, in, in the certain system, in this kind of protection system. Also watching your big brother get sacked a million times, you know, makes you want to be in control of things too. Training, uh, martial arts. And that white belt's everything. Black belts. Black belts. Yeah. We are trying to own it. I'm not going to put it on for the cameras because I know you guys, that'll, that picture will go viral. And, and to the best of their abilities, so um, I couldn't give you a complete answer on that. Taylor Swift. I might play a song. I got a personality that the media don't see, but my teammates see. Uh, why, why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just going to keep putting more sleeves on my body as the years go, so just get used to it. Look, I'll be honest, the only jersey I, I kind of knew about besides Teterboro was Jersey Shore. And I was I was assured that was not a proper representation of this great state. No, no, it is not, Aaron. But it has been a great week of OTAs around all NFL teams. Kansas City, no different. Patrick Mahomes is signed to a mega deal through 2030, but he spoke about why he's open to taking less money to keep other teammates with him on the team. I've always said I, I worry about legacy and winning rings more than making money at this moment. We see what's going on, on around the league, but at the same time, I'll never do anything that's going to hurt us from keeping the great players around me. So it's kind of teetering around that line. It's not about being the highest paid guy. It's not about making a ton of money. I'm, I, I've made enough money where I'll be set for the rest of my life. Um, but at the same time, you got to find that line where you're making a good amount of money, but you're still keeping a lot of great players around you so you can win these Super Bowls and you're able to compete in these games. Jeff, how can this philosophy help the Chiefs? Look, I mean, this is exactly where you want to be as an organization, where you have a quarterback not who's simply willing to throw away money. It's not as if Patrick Mahomes doesn't care about it. In fact, he also talked about the fact that it's important. High tide raises all boats, that you have to continue to raise the bar for all the quarterbacks around the league. But what I mean by organizationally, he is willing to leave money on the table, not because he believes it'll be thrown away, but because he has the trust and faith in Brett Beach, the general manager, and Andy Reid, the head coach, that they will go out and put the players on the field to put him in a position of success. That is not an easy place to get to as an organization. I I think that that's the one thing. When he was willing to sign that 10-year deal that he did a few years back, That was a team-friendly deal. That is his willingness by saying that I'm going to give you the ability, the freedom to manipulate the cap each year to put players around me, and I am putting my trust that you will do that. And so far, that has come to fruition. I think that this speaks volumes of the way the player that Patrick Mahomes is, the person that he is, and ultimately will be the reason that we'll see many more Super Bowls to come. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. He left money on on the table, right? 
Did he really leave money on the table? Because every last one of those six oh, players go. that we just said, every last one of those six guys, they got every single penny they were supposed to get. Patrick Mahomes, remember, he signed that deal so long ago. At the time, that was the big guarantee with the mindset right. that two, three years later, he was always going to come back to the table. My forecast is saying that mm -hmm. he'll be a close to a $300 million guarantee guy when he redoes when he redoes his deal, and it'll be about a seven hundred million dollar ten year extension. Now, obviously, the back end of it's not going to mm -hmm. be real. The real money is going to be about three hundred million dollars. You watch what I tell you. All right. So, no yeah, sell. Become a great right. quarterback in my next life because seven hundred million—that sounds pretty sweet. By the way, Mahomes. But that ain't is real move money, though. That list after Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, amongst others, still be get paid this offseason. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Let's go to a Pittsburgh where Kenny Pickett is in year two of OTAs and the clear-cut starter for the Steelers this season. The division is certainly one of the more difficult places to be, and the Steelers spoke just a short time ago. The guys that get paid, the guys that are on all these first team, all pros, whatever, they're all in the champion. The championship teams are those guys. Like, that's, that's how it works. You can go back to the Pitt team and look at all the guys that were all ACC, the guys that got drafted off that team, the guys that are... Um, you know, had opportunities at the next level, you know, on that team. Like, that's, that's, how, it, that's how it works. So, um, I know, you know, everything will kind of take care of itself. So, I don't know. I didn't really answer your question. but So, I, you don't write down numbers. Yeah, I you're not like a write-down goals, like above the bet, you know, the old school, like above your bed in high school, writing down stat goals. You're not doing that. No, I think um, I'm definitely just, you know, Super Bowl. That's, that's, that's really it. Um, and I, if, if you're in the Super Bowl and you win it, man, I think all the, uh, all the goals that you've ever had set are pretty much going to be uh, met. All right, for the record, I do still write goals above my bed. But, Mina, how much progress do you expect to see from Kenny Pickett in year two? I'm excited to watch Kenny Pickett because what we saw from last year I thought was impressive. A few of the things that he showed in the second part of the season that I really liked, um, playmaking, you saw some of that there. Uh, his QBR outside the pocket was actually higher than inside the pocket. Poise under pressure, and then uh, a rushing ability that he flashed at college, famously with the fake slide. But I thought you know it was really impressive in the NFL. 42% uh, of his runs went for first downs. That's the eighth highest rate in the league, behind only Lamar Jackson. That's something I think he could amp up. Now, what does he need to do to make a leap next year? Uh, a few things. Ball's got to come out quicker. Mm. He averaged the fourth longest time to throw. This was an issue in college as well. It was a concern I had coming out of the draft. That's got to speed up. Um, I think intermediate accuracy was an issue at times and decision-making as well with some interceptions. But he definitely flashed a lot to be excited about and a lot to build upon, I think, with an improved offensive line in front of him. And they're really going to need it, at least in a division that has potentially three Pro Bowl-level quarterbacks in Joe Burrow, mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. All right, coming up on NFL Live, we talk so much about the Patriots' offense, but how about their defense? Has that been overlooked? Hear why Mina thinks pulling some strings together could make this team competitive again in the AFC East. I didn't rest last year because every game I think I was making like $200 just to dress out. So you would dress out too, right? <laughs> I grew up uh, in, in a certain system, in this kind of protection system. Also watching your big brother get sacked a million times, you know, makes you want to be in control of things too. Training, uh, martial arts. And you got white belts everything? Black belts. Black belts? Yeah. 
We were trying to own it. I'm not gonna put it on for the cameras because I know you guys that that picture will go viral. And, and to the best of their abilities, so um, I couldn't give you a complete answer on that. Taylor Swift, I might play a song. I got a personality that the media don't see, but my teammates see. Uh, why, why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just gonna keep putting more sleeves on my body as the years go, so just get used to it. Look, I'll be honest, the only jersey I, I kind of knew about besides Teterboro was Jersey Shore. And I was, I was assured that was not a proper representation of this great state. No, no, it is not, Aaron. But it has been a great week of OTAs around all NFL teams. Kansas City, no different. Patrick Mahomes is signed to a mega deal through 2030, but he spoke about why he's open to taking less money to keep other teammates with him on the team. I've always said I, I worry about legacy and winning rings more than making money at this moment. We see what's going on around the league, but at the same time, I'll never do anything that's going to hurt us from keeping the great players around me. So it's kind of teetering around that line. It's not about being the highest paid guy. It's not about making a ton of money. I'm, I, I've made enough money where I'll be set for the rest of my life. Um, but at the same time, you got to find that line where you're making a good amount of money, but you're still keeping a lot of great players around you so you can win these Super Bowls and you're able to compete in these games. Jeff, how can this philosophy help the Chiefs? Look, I mean, this is exactly where you want to be as an organization, where yeah. you have a quarterback not who's simply willing to throw away money. It's not as if Patrick Mahomes doesn't care about it. In fact, he also talked about the fact that it's important. High tide raises all boats, that you have to continue to raise the bar for all the quarterbacks around the league. But what I mean by organizationally, he is willing to leave money on the table, not because he believes it'll be thrown away, but because he has the trust and faith in Brett Veach, the general manager, and Andy Reid, the head coach, that they will go out and put the players on the field to put him in a position of success. That is not an easy place to get to as an organization. I, I think that that's the one thing. When he was willing to sign that 10-year deal that he did a few years back, that was a team-friendly deal. That is his willingness by saying that I'm going to give you the ability, the freedom to manipulate the cap each year to put players around me, and I am putting my trust that you will do that. And so far, that has come to fruition. I think that this speaks volumes of the way the player that Patrick Mahomes is, the person that he is, and ultimately will be the reason that we'll see many more Super Bowls to come. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. He left money on the, on the table, right? Did he really leave money on the table? Because every last one of those six oh, players go. that we just said, every last one of those six guys, they got every single penny they were supposed to get. Patrick Mahomes, remember, he signed that deal so long ago. At the time, that was the big guarantee with the mindset right. that two, three years later, he was always going to come back to the table. My forecast is saying that mm -hmm. he'll be a close to a $300 million guarantee guy when he redoes when he redoes this deal, and it'll be about a seven hundred million dollar ten year extension. Now, obviously, the back end of it's not going to mm -hmm. be real. The real money is going to be about three hundred million dollars. You watch what I tell you. All right. So, note yeah, to self: become a great right. quarterback in my next life. Because seven hundred million—that sounds pretty sweet. By the way, Mahomes. But that ain't is real money, though. That list after Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, amongst you can others, still be get paid this and, and tuck it. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Let's go to a Pittsburgh where Kenny Pickett is in year two of OTAs and the clear-cut starter for the Steelers this season. The division is certainly one of the more difficult places to be, and the Steelers spoke just a short time ago. The guys that 
get paid. The guys that are on all these first team, all pros, whatever, they're all in the champion. The championship teams are those guys. Like that's that's how it works. You can go back to the pit team and look at all the guys that were all ACC, the guys that got drafted off that team, the guys that are, um, you know, had opportunities at the next level, you know, on that team. Like that's that's how it that's how it works. So. Um, I know, you know, everything will kind of take care of itself. So I don't know. I didn't really answer your question, but so you don't write down numbers. Yeah, you're not like a write down goals, like above the bet, you know, the old school, like above your bed in high school, writing down stat goals. You're not doing that. No, I think um, I'm definitely just, you know, Super Bowl. That's 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 really it. Um, And if if you're in the Super Bowl and you win it, man, I think all the uh, all the goals that you ever had set are pretty much going to be met. All right. For the record, I do still write goals above my bed. But Mina, how much progress do you expect to see from (laughs) Kenny Pickett in year two? I'm excited to watch Kenny Pickett because what we saw from last year I thought was impressive. A few of the things that he showed in the second part of the season that I really liked, um, playmaking, you saw some of that there. Uh, his QBR outside the pocket was actually higher than inside the pocket. Poise under pressure. And then uh, a rushing ability that he flashed at college, famously with the fake slide. But I thought you know, it was really impressive in the NFL. Uh, 42% of his runs went for first downs. That's the eighth highest rate in the league behind only Lamar Jackson. That's something I think he could amp up. Now, what does he need to do to make a leap next year? Uh, a few things. Ball's got to come out quicker. Mm. He averaged the fourth longest time to throw. This was an issue in college as well. It was a concern I had coming out of the draft. That's got to speed up. Um, I think intermediate accuracy was an issue at times and decision-making as well with some interceptions. But he definitely flashed a lot to be excited about and a lot to build upon, I think, with an improved offensive line in front of him. And they're really going to need it, at least in a division that has potentially three Pro Bowl-level quarterbacks in Joe Burrow, Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. All right, coming up on NFL Live, we talked so much about the Patriots' offense, but how about their defense? Has that been overlooked? Hear why Mina thinks pulling some strings together could make this team competitive again in the AFC East.
We'll have game four of the Western Conference Final for you tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN and ESPN Plus. The Stars hosting Golden Knights. The Golden Knights looking for that sweep to go on to the Stanley Cup Final. Coverage begins with a point at 6 Eastern on ESPN2. And take a look at who was at the Eastern Conference Finals last night. There it is, Finns coach Mike McDaniel firing up the Florida Panthers crowd. They, of course, went on to win the game 4-3 in dramatic fashion. Matthews Kachuk again. They are now headed to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second time in franchise history. Patriots lost two days of voluntary OTAs due to a violation of off-season rules. Patriots look to revamp their offense this season and have a new offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, plus a few new weapons for Mac Jones. But it's the Patriots' defense that could be the difference maker this season. Take a closer look. The defense allowed five yards per play last year. Is that good? Well, you don't know because you need the context around the play. Expected points added factors in the context of every play and how it changes a team's chances to score or allow points. And last year, the Patriots had the league's second-best defense by EPA, trailing only the 49ers. Mina, is it possible that the Patriots' defense could be underestimated going into this season? First, I'd like to say you explaining expected points added so clearly just warms my heart, Thank Field, you. because that oh, is the proper for. way to look at uh, efficiency. <laughs> but uh, honestly, you could pull any statistic, and the Patriots' defense ranked in the top five last year. They weren't really talked about because the offense was so putrid, but they were one of the best units in the NFL, and I firmly expect them to be one of the best defenses this year because, frankly, they got better. This was what they focused on in the draft, perhaps to the consternation of people who wanted them to help Mac Jones, but they had a depth up front with Keon White, Marte Mapu at linebacker, and then one of my favorite picks of all, Christian Gonzalez, the quarterback who gives them size in the secondary. This is going to be an elite unit. And when you consider that, as good as the AFC East is, and I realize they seem to be the overlooked team with the arrival of Aaron Rodgers and what the Dolphins did on offense and the defense this offseason, and of course the Bills continue dominance, all the Patriots offense needs to be is average for this team to be competitive. <laughs> and frankly, I think with the change of coordinator, that's entirely achievable. So. All I'm saying is this was one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's going to continue to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. So don't overlook this team just because uh, of what's been happening elsewhere in the AFC East. Yeah, and I piggyback off of Mina and I use word for word of everything mm -hmm. she just said. I mean, when you look at the New England Patriots, I think we're still stuck in this Tom Brady era in our minds. Oh, my God, they, they can't do anything. That defense has always been good under Belichick. Yes, they, they bend, don't break. They're, they're not a sexy named team. They don't have the, the, the names on the defense or the offensive side of the ball. So I think a lot of people just overlook that because you look at Miami, you look at what the New York Jets have done, you also look at the Buffalo Bills, and there's a lot of Pro Bowls and names and things of that nature. You look at the New England Patriots when they were winning Super Bowls and dominating the AFC. They didn't have a lot of star power. They were doing it with just guys and great coaching. And I think they get back to that. They got away from it last year. They implemented guys that in the offensive side, and Joe Judge and Matt Patricia had no business calling the offense. Yeah. Bill Belichick got right. dialed it up, Jeff, and he said, hey, I tell you what, Nick, why don't you let me get my guy Bill O'Brien back to help yeah. me try to make another run at this thing? I think they'll be fine. I don't know what yeah, fine means, but I think they'll be better than they were a year ago. <laughs> That's right. I mean, 15th overall offense two years ago. Then they made the colossal mistake with Judge and Patricia. They go to the 26th overall offense. 
with Bill O'Brien, they should come back to at least middle of the road. I think that's what makes this AFC East so fascinating. You know, I'm not trying to take away from what the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins have done by hoisting the Patriots up there, but this is the kind of division where we could either see three teams come out of it into the playoffs, or they could yeah. just cannibalize each other mm. and, and just tear each other apart to the point where we're really only seeing potentially one or maybe two with a wild card. But I think that's what makes this division so fascinating and what will ultimately make it such that I don't think it would be a surprise for any of these teams to ultimately end up in that first spot by the end of the season. Yeah, Key, I'm having a hard time spotting a bad team in this division, but do you feel like the Patriots still profiles that fourth-place team in the AFC East? Oh, my goodness. I know. Uh... I don't know because I don't know what the I don't know what the Bills are. I know Bills got great quarterback and some receivers and they got a great team, but I don't know what they're gonna be yet. I just don't know. It's like stump the Schwab right there for you, right, uh, Keith. By the way, I I didn't get your thoughts on EPA. We'll save that for next week's show here on NFL Live. Uh, Time now to wrap things up with one more thing. And Seahawks wide receiver Tyree DK Metcalf wants a piece of Tyree Kill, not on the field or in the ring, but on the track. He told FS1's Undisputed, quote, we've been trying to do this for two years now. We haven't come to an agreement in two years, but you see me running in a track meet. I don't race against no 30-year-olds, but whatever you want to get this done, let me know. Here's his fastest play, by the way, ever. It's actually a defensive play after interception. Uh, remember this play? Buda Baker picks off Russell Wilson at yeah. the two-yard line. And then watch DK Metcalf out of nowhere. I mean, Key, this looks like you out there, right? No, it does not. Excuse me. You mean I'm Buddha Baker? Is that what you mean? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Who are you taking in that race then? No, that's not true. Keith's <laughs> not true. <laughs> All right, so who are you taking in this race? Keith doesn't chase people? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. You better put it in the film. I, you know, this is one of those sensitive things. If I take Buddha Baker, I mean, if I take DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill going to get mad. You know? Here's the reality. The answer when it comes to fastest person at ESPN, me. I'm the fastest guy. We'll see you next week on NFL Live. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.